Well, gentlemen, we are keeping up our commitment to interviewing builders in the trenches who are doing their thing and finding success. Today we have Jason Pietruska, who is joining us. You guys may already know Jason. Follow him on social media. He's on Instagram, has a good following. His handle is at Jason Pie. And then he also has a YouTube channel, Buy, Build, Sell. But his uh, primary trait is, of course, building and developing homes. He does high-end homes out of North Hollywood, California area. And today, in our conversation, we cover everything from Jason's history to his business model down to some of the systems and philosophies that he uses to find success in the business. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope everybody's doing great. comes down to success in this business isn't so much about maintaining secrets and proprietary information like if you got the whatever the coca-cola patent it's more Uh like uh you know can you uh can you execute well you know can you can you inspire confidence in your clients and then can you once you have that can you just simply execute well on a very dynamic, uncertain, complicated process. And there's no denying that building a home, especially custom homes are complicated. They haven't been done before. There's a ton of variables to manage and it's not easy. That's the the hard part of this business is that it's, it's keeping things from going wrong. It's it's inspired confidence in your clients. That is, I, I think, you know, the nail on the head that's it you you get your clients to believe in you and trust you i always tell people my best advice because everyone asks how do you find a good contractor how do you find the guy that's not going to uh you know give you problems run away from you you know leave your house in shambles all these like you know worrisome contractor issues that people have and my best advice is always find someone you trust and like you're saying it from the opposite side, you're saying instill that trust. And it is, it's a both-sided thing. But like people need to be able to make people feel confident in you and they need to feel confident in you. Like, you know, because there, there's so many things. Oh, what do we do? How do we do it? What material should we use? There's so many like questions that, that clients come up with that if they're hiring someone they don't trust, like 100% trust they're going to they're going to have a horrible experience yeah because this guy is not showing up this guy is not here like you know i'm building a house right now where the the framers are taking 2 weeks longer to frame the house than i wanted it to the client goes to me goes you know is this normal is this okay i said honestly i hired this framer because he's really good. If you want me to get my production guy, I'll get my production over here. We'll get the house done in one week. You know, one week less. I hired this guy because I know the walls will be straight. He's going to do straight edge. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. 
he's going to actually take his time and measure things out and get the doors where they need to be on the first time, not the second time. Like, you know, when you're doing a production build, like I do most of the time, you know, after I do production, build, I, do, I build custom spec homes, but in a production style manner, you know, you're going to, there are some things that happen on the plans that aren't necessarily what you want them to be finished as. So I'll literally have my production guys build out the house and then take my personal guys or ask the production guys if they can send a guy and say, okay, like this door needs to be moved over to this side of the, of the room. Uh, you know, uh, I need the bench to look like this, not like this. And I, I literally have waste sometimes, but that's okay in the production style because I'm more about speed, right? On a client build, you know, speed is important because people see my speed in the field and go, okay, I want that too. I want my house to be done in a year, not in two years. Okay, I get that. But I also really focus on quality. So I'm able to tell my clients, I said, listen, like you can have whichever one you want, but you're going to be way happier with a two-week delay than not. And because they trust me, that conversation ends there. It doesn't go with, well, what is he doing? Why is it taking this longer? Or what, what, you know, there's no beyond questions. It's very simple. So it makes my life a lot easier and it makes their life easier too, because they have someone they know has just got their back. Yeah. Which is incredibly important. And setting yeah. those expectations with your clients and explaining why things happen, because a lot of them have never been through this process before. That's key. Yeah. A lot of people don't do it. Yeah. My, my sale technique is I actually hate the word sales in our business. I really don't view it as sales. Yeah. I view it as I have this kind of anti-sale technique actually where i don't try to sell you push them away yeah yeah yeah. well in a sense yeah and in fact i will tell people i'll say listen um here's what we do you know you uh you know go talk to other builders and uh it's interesting whenever you do that whenever you don't try to hang on to somebody and you try to educate Mm -hmm. them so i educate on how we do it educate on a lot of industry standards and why i think the way we do it is better I'll also educate them on the downsides to the way we do it. And whenever I do that, people instinctively begin to trust you. And then you go to say, hey, listen, here's our program. If you want to work with us, you know, we would we'd welcome to continue that conversation. And then they're just that always hooks people. Always I think yeah, I, that's, that's very I've funny. almost never I've almost never not gotten, I think I've only once that I can recall, have I ever not worked with a client that I wanted to work with? Did they go select another builder? I think only once. So I, I do. So here's what I do. It's, it's very similar, but a little different. So one, the, the biggest thing that I do is I charge for my consultations. Uh, do you do that too? Well, we charge, we don't charge for our initial visit with somebody. I'll do an initial meeting with somebody, but then if they want to work with us on the pre-construction process on utilizing our team to design, find lots, all that, then I charge for what we call a pre-construction agreement. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I have, I have like a retainer as well, but no. So, I mean, most, okay. So it kind of depends. It depends on where the person is in the stage of their, of their search. So I'll ask a few questions. I usually do a 15 minute consultation on the phone. And then if they really want to meet with me, I charge. 
And the reason why is because I meet with, I used to meet with so many people. I mean, my time was consumed with meeting people and no returns because I was doing what you're doing. I was giving them all of this information. I was giving them, you know, too much information maybe, which led them to go look for somebody else and say, now I understand everything. And I'm going to go find someone who can execute for me here instead of where Jason wants to be at. Right. Okay. So I was basically pushing away business and so, and giving, giving out a ton of value. So I decided, I'm like, listen, I love meeting with people. I love doing that. I love helping people with their process. Uh, and what I did is I just sort of switched and I said, okay, like I'm happy to meet with you. I charge for my time. My time is valuable. So I put a price tag on my time. And then usually what I'll do is say, listen, like I understand that's it's money that you're spending. So that can go towards a retainer that can go towards a design, uh, a design plan that can go towards an architectural plan. It does not go towards the building. So a lot of the times I'll end up starting doing an architectural and a design plan for a client. And then, and then once those plans are done, then I bid those plans. And then we build the house. So I've, I've kind of extended this process to be multiple different smaller projects to make sure that one, they can feel comfortable with me, that I can feel comfortable with them, that I know who I'm getting into bed with. Because one of the biggest issues is sending a contract with someone you really don't know, right? And then they don't know you, you don't know them. And you have issues, you have trust issues, you get all of these sort of things. So this actually extends this process, lets me work with them through the planning stages. And they get a really good sense for who I am, how I work, you know, what my processes are, and whether they really feel comfortable doing it or not. Now, at the end of the road, when I give them a bid for a million dollars to build a house, they can go, <clears throat> honestly, you were great to work with, but... We think we can execute this at 800. We're going to go find somebody else. And I can, I can bow my head and say, thank you. It was a pleasure to work with you. And I, I didn't waste my time. You know? So that's really that's similar to why we, it. that's how we do it as well. Although I don't charge for these initial meetings like you do. I think that's a understandable and actually probably a, an upgrade over the way we do it. I just, that initial meeting, I'll do it for free and I won't spend more than 45 minutes because, but you know, I also don't have as many of those meetings as you probably do. Cause we're, okay. I don't know, our businesses may not line up entirely similar in terms of what we do. I mean, we'll only do a, let me take that back. We'll do maybe six custom homes a year. And okay. then the other half will be spec homes. And these will be, Two million to four million dollar contracts, but point is, I'm not going through it. I'm not spending a ton of time going through potential leads and clients each week. Usually, whenever I do a call, it's for one reason or another. It's already been pretty well vetted that this is somebody that is worth my time to talk to. If that makes sense, yeah. And, and if that is the case, then I'm usually not going to charge. Right? If it's coming from a solid lead source, if it's you know already somebody who's in the planning stages i'm not going to because i know they're ready to execute 
you know? Yeah. So it's a completely different uh, conversation when you're dealing with someone who's either already has a sense of trust with you or is already ready to execute because they're really there to, to get something done. They're not there for information. And yeah. That's a, com- it's completely different meaning in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I get that. Did a little research on you and uh, uh, as I should, any good host <laughs> should do. Not, I, shouldn't, right? I shouldn't lump myself into the good host category, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so it's one of the things I noted, which is kind of funny and ironic, is that you and I both started in 2010. Oh, cool. At a cool. very, at, at a very, like, I guess to put it in a euphemistic way, a very interesting time to be starting a construction and building business. No, I mean, it's, that was still, we were still largely in a recessed market. I think we were kind of coming out of it at that point, but I'll ask you a question that I've asked myself a lot of times, which is uh, what in the hell were you thinking starting in 2010? (laughs) So this, this really um, brings me back to the story. I tell a lot of people of how I even got into this industry. Um, 2009 i i was uh i was out of high school i was in the music industry i was like every musician working at a food restaurant you know where i was i was working at a pizza store and um i was starting college and i was focused on the music I was really focused on the music. That was my drive. I had been doing it since I was like 14 or 15 years old. I, you know, I'd played every, every gig, every single thing you can possibly think of. I I had, you know, a bunch of fun with it. And I really thought that uh, it would take me somewhere. When I came back, when I I came, when I, uh, I, I had taken a year abroad. So when I came back, I got a job working for a big music producer. And so I was working at a pizza store, going to college, doing music, working for this music industry, working for this music producer. And I, I learned really quickly that um, I had no control over my destiny in this industry. I could play a thousand shows. I'll never make it big. I could write the best song in the world. If no one else thinks it's the best song, it's not going to go anywhere. Like I just had no control over me everyone else there have to be you know you can get a thousand yeses in one no at the top and your your career is over so i learned that really quickly and decided that um you know i you know i can continue my passion and try to try to do some stuff but i wasn't going to continue trying to be an executive or anything like that because i'd brought so many talents to the table and just wasn't really getting anywhere then I, I needed a job and I, I went up to my dad. I said, dad, how do I support? You know, my goal truthfully was I wanted to support a family. I, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. Um, I wanted to be a young dad. I wanted to start my life. I, like that's t- to me, that was like the reason for living, you know? Uh, so I, I asked my dad, like, what do I got to do? How do I got to do it? You know, I think I wanted to make, 
four thousand dollars a month. I was like, if I make four grand a month, I will support a family. I'll be able to pay rent. I'll be able to do all the things that I need to do as as a as a home leader, right? And he said, Jace, I can't help you. I have no idea how to how to help you make it in music. I, I don't know that industry. I don't know that field, but I'm I'm doing this stuff in, in construction and my buddy is a contractor. Why don't you go work for me? You know, he'll pay you 10 bucks an hour. That was more than I was already making uh, at the pizza store. So I took half half, half part-time in pizza, did the other part-time in construction, and slowly but surely my life just everything else seemed to have disappeared. Like I, I worked a few months in construction doing demo work. And I went to go work for a developer being uh, kind of just a laborer on site and an extra hand. And everything else just seemed to disappear. Like I can't tell you what happened to my music career or what happened to, you know, for some reason, the pizza shop just stopped needing me. Like they were like, you don't need to come in today. You just need one day a week this week. And and like all of a sudden I just got fired. I don't don't even know if they fired me or I just stopped getting days, you know? Um, (laughs) And then, um, and I was I was still working in the music industry, so my my days were like this. I, I was like waking up at four thirty, going to the construction site. I leave there at three. I go to the studio, record or do whatever I have to do or whatever, do marketing stuff, whatever it was for the band. And then I'd go to college from you know six or seven at night to eleven or twelve. And then that that life would just continue. Um, eventually, I got married. So like my my life just kind of just took its own route. I really wasn't paying attention to the fact that it was construction or it was in this industry or you know like why I was picking this field or anything like that. Just sort of my life kind of started doing well. I was making money. I was able to start doing things. I had more control over my destiny. Like I was able to grow and do more within this, you know, framework of my life that sort of just kind of took over. Like music just stopped happening for me. And I graduated college and never used the degree. Like I don't even know where my diploma is. I just things I, I felt like I had to finish college. Like that was a really big thing for me. I had to complete it to make me feel like I had accomplished it, which is really what I tell people. I say like, listen, like college is really good for one thing. It makes you achieve something. And like that is a huge thing for people because people just don't know how to follow through with something. And college really does that. So trade school is great. I'm a huge proponent of it now. Like you know, seeing, seeing, seeing it now, go like out of, out of this world, I go, Oh man, like I should have just done that. I should have been more educated in electrical and framing and all the science behind all of it. But I wasn't, I, I got a management degree, but you know, go, going through college says, okay, like I don't care about science, but you have to pass this course. If you don't pass this course, you can't move to the next thing. And people think that they can just skip through things when they're young and like that they don't need the process. So that's the benefit to college, at least in my opinion. But 
really, really make sure that you accomplish things that you can't just get away with not doing something. And that's kind of how I did it. Now, looking back, I go, wow, like it really was a big mistake getting into construction in that time frame because if you really understood the market, you really understood what was happening, then that was a really scary time to, uh, to jump into it. But it was the only thing that was available for me. I didn't really know that, that I could have other options. My, my other options were higher education, you know, become a lawyer, you know, become a, a you know, a music manager was, was another thing like doing something of that nature. So I didn't really think through it too much. It was just, this was an opportunity and I took that opportunity and ran with it. And that's also what I tell people a lot is I was like a racehorse with blinders on. I wasn't paying too much attention to everything that was going on around me. I was super just hyper-focused on me and like, how do I keep on growing? So the second any opportunity came my way, it wasn't like, okay, uh, you know, how do I take this opportunity and like, you know, grow with it. I took this opportunity and was like, okay, like, let's just, let's just go with it. Let's see where, let's see where this takes me. And I just kept on running forward. So, um, for me, I kind of got into it and then I really wasn't paying attention to too much else. I was not really, I was, what I say, a horse with blinders on, wasn't paying attention to what anyone else was doing. I was just like, how do I take this road and just find accomplish, find success in it? I really think that the, um, the moment that kind of pivoted, the pivot for me was I was, I was probably engaged about to get married and I met with this famous architect and he was more impressed with me about my music than anything else. Like he just wanted to talk music with me. And uh, I was, I was kind of thrown off by that. Like, why do you want to talk about music? Like, you know, we're construction, like architecture, everything. And he's like, are you kidding me? Music is all about music is the same as, as construction. You have to build you know, the, the symphony that you build in music, it's the same that you have to build with, with a custom home, with, a, with, with architecture. There's so many pieces and layers that have to fit together to make a beautiful home. They're the same thing for a song. You know, the, everything has to be put together correctly. And, and he was a musician himself. So like that, that moment of like, oh, wow, like I'm not losing my creativity. I am, I still like, still have this entrepreneurial passion you know, all of these things kind of fit together for me and like really understanding that from his point of view, like, oh, like you're right. Like I'm not really um, giving up myself to do this. I'm not like giving up on a dream or anything like that. The dream is just pivoted. Like I'm, I'm using all of those juices that I would have used in music in construction. And that's kind of where I was like, and I started flying. So how did you actually make the leap to your own company yeah so i start like like i said like i started working for a developer and um within i don't even know how many i don't know how i the the, the time frame is really blurry for me uh because so many things were happening in my life and at the time and all these moments um but at some point 
very early on, we became partners. And we, okay, you know, we were just doing, we were only doing custom builds. We were only doing spec homes. We were not working with clients. Um, so we, we would sometimes take on clients if they were buying the house before we finished or stuff like that. But mostly it was just spec homes. And we grew that company to an insane amount. We were doing like 30 houses at a time. And I are these was like single one-off homes or are these like communities in, of six or infill, 10? No, infill homes, uh, not community-based at all. Like, I mean, the maximum house we would build next to each other is two, like, you know, two houses at a time next to each other. Um, they, they were all scattered throughout LA. We were doing 30 at a time and I was drowning. I was just drowning in myself. Were you a project uh, manager also? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, you know, he was project managing, I was project managing. We had another project manager and we, we were, we had like 15 employees. Like, I mean, just, but I was like the one that kind of took on the stress of everything and <laughs> he wanted to grow more. And it was a very, just a very clear uh, time to divide. Uh, we, we wrapped up all the projects that we had going on with each other. He went his way, I went mine, and I started slow. I was like, all right, I've done 30. I just want to do one, you know? So I bought one property, started with that one, and then I was like, man, I'm bored. So I just started buying more and more and more. I, I, I found my comfort to be about 10 to 15 a year. So if I'm doing 10 or 15 projects a year, I'm happy. And I would say about 10% of our work is for clients and another, and then, and then everything else is mine. So if we're doing apartment buildings or things like that, you know, it's all for us. And uh, you know, we'll do one or two custom build projects per year. And I also have a secondary company, a landscape company that I, that I run as well. That company, all, you know, does all of my projects. Plus it'll do, you know, however many projects we get that year for, for my clients as well. So let's back up for a second and talk about what you're doing right now. So you got a landscape company, you've got your home building company, which you said something about apartments, or are you guys doing apartments as well? We're doing apartments as well. Yeah. What size complexes are these? Anywhere between four to 13, 13 is the biggest units that we've done. So anywhere between four to 13. Is and you guys are leasing them up. These are specs where you're leasing them up and then turning around and selling them as a portfolio. No, we're keeping them. Or, so far. We've okay. Been keeping them. Yeah. okay. So you're keeping them. So then you're doing apartments and are you still doing single family, like one off homes? Yeah. So we do, like I said, we do about 10 to 15 projects a year. Uh, most of those are the single family homes. Like right now, Most currently we we are we are doing eight projects, eight eight single family homes. We have two apartment buildings that we're doing. Okay. And the single family homes, are you keeping them or are you selling them? No, we're selling those. Selling those. Are you yeah. still in the field project managing or are you in the office now? Every day. Every day I'm in the field. We we really? schedule we schedule office meetings. Um, you know. 
every every week or so we'll have we'll have office meetings where we get together where um we'll kind of update the office on uh projects and production and, and funding and all of those sort of things that need to be discussed but you know i, I don't need to be in the office for anything I'm out in the yeah. field making sure that the guys are running i've got you know we got project managers we got site supervisors and i'm just sort of there to to train them and make them feel like they can accomplish and get them to a point where you know i, I can i don't need to be in the office nor do i need to be on site i can be in hawaii yeah this place i'm actually looking to go in there this summer appropriate yeah. uh, appropriate mention let's talk about systems for a second because i know that you talk about systems and how you guys have them in your business are there are a few systems that come to mind that you're really proud of that you guys have implemented that you can share with us that you think other builders might benefit from yeah so i mean like you you asked me if i'm still going to site if i'm still going on site and you were kind of shocked by the response that the answer is yes right um the the, the reason why i still go on site is because i'm still heavily interested i'm still heavily uh dedicated to what i do right i don't necessarily have to be there i i, I do a youtube channel called buy build sell and uh we were doing a big pour one day and the videographer who, who videos me said why are you here today and i i almost have trouble answering the question <laughs> i'm like uh i like to see concrete being poured it's fun like you know, like what, like, I'm like, I don't need to be here. You're right. I don't need to be there. Uh, I can do everything from an office. Um, but the reason that I am there is because I, I want to see it come together. I'm still, I'm still a part of that process. I, I still, you know, I'm part of that design. I'm part of that build. I'm part of making sure that, you know, the quality still needs to be where it needs to be. Um, in terms of, of systems being set up, uh, I went through, uh, so once I, once I divided that, once we divided the company and I went on my, my own, I went through many systems of trying to figure out what can I do to get back to 30, but feel comfortable, right? If I can get back to 30, building 30 homes at a time and feel really comfortable doing it, you know, what, what do I need to get there? Do I need to build a bigger team? Do I need to, you know, find a program or a system? Uh, you know, or what is it, right? And I started hiring uh, expensive managers. I started, I, I actually went and I spoke to somebody named Brad Lovett, who is out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And, the, the, you know, I asked him, I said, well, like, I mean, you're, you're building such great stuff. You're building bigger houses. You know, you're doing all this stuff. What is, you know, what do I do? Was what I asked him. And he said, hire somebody, hire someone that, that can actually uh, manage that for you. No matter what you pay them, like if you can produce more because of them, you're making money, right? I said, okay. So I went to go hire someone who was expensive and I, I probably did the stupid thing trying to manage him. And, uh, you know, so I, I said, okay, we got to find a program and we got to, you know, I got, you need to log it all in and you need to get the team on board with it. You need to figure out how to input it, how to data it, how to this, how to that. And that was probably a big waste of money. 
I think that he felt like he was wasting his energy and, and I felt like, like I was wasting my money. And um, he eventually got, a, got another job somewhere and he left. But it was a great experience for me to understand that um, I don't I don't need so many things. Like I don't need a program like Builder Trend. I don't need a builder. I don't need a you know a program like Buildbook. Uh, I just needed what for me the most important thing that I needed to be on top of was the money. So contracts coming in, contracts going out, how money was being spent, what we were, where we were at on contracts, and making sure that the communication between the field and the office was was solidified because that's where my biggest hiccup was. It wasn't a management issue, you know. The jobs were being pushed, subs were showing up, you know, managers were doing what they had to do. Uh, it was really an issue of okay, well, you have a contract for thirty thousand dollars with this with this subcontractor, and he's asking for fifteen thousand dollars. Well, did, what did we pay him so far? What do we still owe him? How much work is left? And then the office, the you know, the girls in the office wouldn't necessarily know that information, and the the site the site contracts weren't communicating that information either. They were just taking the invoices and sending them, right? So we really, we built a custom system that we use Dropbox for. So everything goes through Dropbox in terms of communication. So site supervisors will input into, into Dropbox and the girls at the office will, will take out from Dropbox and use that information. And it's basically just a communication tool, but it's, it's really simple and it breaks it down really easily so we, we can all kind of keep track of the job and it does it does help somewhat with uh with uh production as well like you know if a project manager is taking off or taking a week of vacation or whatever he can input uh, certain data that'll help me or somebody else say okay like you know this is what's done this is what needs to be taken care of uh and creating lists and, and tasks and to-do lists and things like that so it's nothing um nothing extraordinary. It's really, you know, spreadsheets and, and Word documents all being put together, you know, uh, structured files, obviously, but all being put together in Dropbox so anyone can reach it and it's all consumable by the team. Do you guys use Google documents at all? Yeah, we use Google. We use uh, mostly Google documents, are actually. All the, the Google platforms are pretty much in there. How does that work with Dropbox though? If you have, if you're using a lot of Google documents, can you still, I assume you just store those in Google drive and then the rest of your documents are in Dropbox. So for me, are they able to talk at all? Everyone's able to kind of do uh, their own thing on their own computers. You can actually save those files locally and upload them locally and do all that stuff. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm able to, to upload directly. So I don't, I don't need to, um, I don't need to to save anything. I can actually save it on the device and send it to Dropbox directly. So that's what I do. But the girls in the office save directly, uh, save locally. Uh, guys in the field don't normally save directly because they don't have a computer to deal with. So, you know. Yeah. Do y'all use Builder Trend or Co-Construct? Right? We don't. We, we've like looked that. into those programs, but honestly, because of the amount of, uh, I think that if we did more client-related work, it would probably be beneficial for us, um, but we really don't. And um, like the one or two jobs a year, again, obviously like, you know, we do so much vetting with our clients that by the time we were actually building a house for them, they're really on board and we're really organized anyways. So I don't necessarily need that program 
to help us with it. Um, yeah, there's there's massive benefits to it, and I think that uh, the biggest issue is that if you hop on one, you really have to stay dedicated to it. You can't yeah. go look for something better. Which, truthfully, I mean, there there isn't anything better. These programs have been a dominating force in the field. You know, like you can go to a sauna, and then eventually you're going to upgrade. You know, you're you're not going to stay there. But once you hit builder book, uh, builder trend, or co-construct which builder trend just bought co-construct i don't know if you knew that um, yeah yeah there isn't really another game in town uh i know build book is a company that i see on the rise and they're definitely doing a lot of work to be a strong competitor in that field but they have a different niche for it also so you know i, I think that if you're building custom homes you're probably in the co-construct or the builder trend uh, arena and if you're maybe doing your remodels or, or smaller projects like that you're probably in the build book arena yeah we actually need more competition in the industry i use builder trend and i like them but i've got tons of complaints about the way that it works and overall happy but we need more competition especially since but, they just would you say that behind. it's more beneficial for the client than you like, do you do it really for the client or do you do it for you? I do it for us. I actually think it's probably a little cheeky for the client. I think it, I, I, there's a lot of downside. I know that they talk a ton about clients, but I mean, the type of clientele that we have, we need everything looking really well polished. And, and actually what I use it for mainly is uh, job costing, which helps a lot. So I like mm -hmm. the job costing and issuing POs from there. We yeah. bid through there. I like that. And so I really like it on almost back-end operational stuff. And this construction schedule isn't bad. So that's what I use it for. The client interfacing stuff, which gets so much hype, I see some real challenges with it for us personally. I'm sure it works for a lot of guys, but for us personally, it's not the right, right. and it way takes to go a ton it. of training correct right yeah it like does. it's not and like just something you can hop on and, and learn intuitively yeah and i i think that for the clients i don't know i i think if you run your business well and you've got a good client communication protocol i don't really see it as that necessary i think it could end up being like it's one of those things like so many technological solutions where it sounds like it's really cool and then you go implement it and in practicality it's just a little <laughs> cumbersome you know right so anyway um we need more competition in that space especially now that builder trend and co-construct just merged i hope there will be someone else that can come about just to keep everybody honest because when you really have no competition and you've got um a very captive audience so as you said I mean, once you get on, the cost of switching is very high. Yeah. So you go like, for, for lack of a better term, you go head ass and spats into it, which is what you have to do or else you'll fail. So now you're completely right. into the program. And then if you ever want to switch, well, you're, you know, you're well, that's basically screwed. what happened to me, right? I, I ended up spending thousands of dollars. I mean, thousands of dollars trying to get onto these programs and and learn basically a very expensive lesson that um 
you know, I didn't need the programs. I needed the person. I needed, I needed someone who was going to be able to sit. And that, that was the, the advice I didn't listen to. He, he said, look for a person. And I thought I needed to look for a person who can get me onto the programs. But I just needed somebody who can organize the thoughts, however he felt or she felt the thoughts should be organized. And then begin to manage the managers on those thoughts. And that's basically what I ended up you know, stumbling into was basically just, okay, here's the thought process and here's how everyone needs to fall in line. And now I'm basically trying to just manage the managers, not manage the project. One of the best business consultants I ever have talked to told me that basically if you can't build a system on paper, then it doesn't matter how fancy the tech solution is. It doesn't matter. You got to build it on paper. So all of these things that we look at and get glossy eyed over, such as builder trend or whatever, they're only as good as the inputs and the systems that we're creating to support it. And they right. can't create it for you. It comes down to your company's individual systems that you have to build. And then you've right. got to translate them into that program or else you've got yes. no chance at success. And you got to go, well, like I said, yeah. all in and invest months in, in it. And I think it's, again, I don't want to talk too poorly about it because we've done it. And so I think it is a good solution for a lot of people, but there's a lot of downsides to it as well. More upsides yeah, for us than downsides, but there's a lot. Yeah, I'm blanking on the, you know, it's a Jerry's Homes, and I think they're in uh, Idaho or Iowa or mm-hmm. something. And I don't, have you heard of the company? Uh-uh. No? Okay, so there's this guy named Adam Grubb, and I met him at an um, um, international builder show in Vegas a few years back. And I got on the phone with him, and we just sort of talked and I was just interested in, in his business and like what he's doing. And, you know, I, I had no idea what he was about to tell me, but I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like doing, you know, 30 homes right now. This was back then. He goes, oh, I'm doing 300. I'm like, what? <laughs> 300. And he basically told me, you know, at, it was at this really pivotal, pivotal, pivot. It was at this really intense moment in my life where, you know, things were going to be, uh, moving separate ways and that we you know we knew that you know we were going to be uh, starting starting on our own again and i'm like oh wow like what's he doing and he led me to this book called traction by gino wickman and essentially what you just said like you know they have all this great information and you can tell people how to build a better business but if you can't actually do it you can't actually put to put pen to paper and figure out what your plans are and figure out how to do things, how you want to do things. Nothing will help you. You have to be able to do it on your own or, or have, or have somebody or have somebody there basically walking you through every single step of the way, which could, you'll either be lucky that you have that, or it could be very costly for you to have that. I've been a big proponent of just, tech solutions for our company. I mean, we're pretty much paperless for the most part. And then like my personal to-do list, which I live off of, I organize all my different projects for work, personal stuff, all that on this app 
I've used it for years. I've got to be like their number, got to be their number one user. I think. I mean, I think I've, <laughs> the tracks I've checked off like a hundred thousand, something stupid, like a hundred thousand tasks or whatever over the years. And looking back at that, it helps me a lot. But one of the things that I've realized with all of these different apps that we go in and out of every day and build return, you can go to this project and look at the schedule and see where you are and then go to this one to see the schedule. There's something about this tactile, like being able to touch and look at one thing in the, in the, uh, built environment, the real environment, right? Instead of into some digital space. So one of the big pushes for my company right now, we're almost finished with it. We're building on one of the walls in our office. It's like a 14 foot wall, this huge board, and it's a checklist. And it's going to be this huge checklist. And we're going to have like 250 to 300 tasks of what we believe are critical path, necessary, yeah. highly important tasks that have to happen over the course of the project now we've got it online we've got that online but to be able for all of us to be to gathered around the table and look at it all yeah. on one board in front of us and be able to go ch check things yes. off because that goes back to one of the more important things i believe in this business is not screwing things up it's that's really what <laughs> we get a set of plans and specifications and then from there it's you know, it's now minimizing your downside, not screwing things up. That's and right. The girls in my office thought that I was crazy for doing that, but we did that. We did the same yeah. exact thing. And yeah. I think that it's a really helpful it's, thing it's to have super helpful. Have a few have a few systems like that where they're just very easy, very accessible, and very visible. Visible is key. Yes. So where it doesn't get buried in some hole or, or it's visible every day you walk in, it's right there in front of you. Yeah. Cause what happens, right? Like, uh, you know, you, 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 you call up the office and you say, Hey, did that get done? And they go, Oh, oh we've got to check. We got to find the email. I got to find out what happened. I got to look for this. I got to look for that. No, 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 just, just look up. Just look exactly. up and say, did, did that happen or did it not happen? You know, and that, yes, that's, you can see where you difference. are. Yeah. Like that's an important dashboard. that's an important moment, right? And if you know that, that moment happened, now you you can relieve yourself of that stress, move on to the next thing, and it's it's a completely different day. Yeah, love it. Well, Jason, I got more questions I wanted to get to, but conversation started flowing, and we uh, more or less maxed out our time. I do want to ask you before we go. Um, you're active on social media. You got Instagram and YouTube. Tell us where to find you on both those channels so people can connect with you. For sure. Well, I'm sad. So that we must have we might have to do it in episode number two with me. We'll have to do a follow-up for sure. Yeah, because I want to hear more about <laughs> yeah. your design build process. I, I would love to. This was uh, super fun. So thank you for having me. Uh, you can find yeah, me on bet. Instagram at uh, JJP Construction. You can find me on YouTube at Jason Pie. It's J-A-S-O-N-P-I-E. And um, those are those are the two platforms I'm really active on. You can find me everywhere else. My website's jjpconstructioninc.com. I am on Hammer. If you got if you know what Hammer is, Hammer's uh, a really cool uh, social media app uh, that's geared towards trades. So if you're oh, okay. in the trades and you are looking, you know. 
I think they are geared more towards like job finding and career path opportunities and things like that. So if you are, if your audience is, is into that, uh, it's, I think they are on Instagram. They are, we are hammer and they're okay. the hammer app. So you should definitely check that out. I think I'm Jason Pye there as well. I thought this was about to turn into a not safe for work conversation when you said no. hammer. <laughs> I hadn't yeah, heard of before. That's cool. That's have, a cool app. Yeah, All right. Check them out. Um, yeah. Well, Jason, I appreciate your time today. As always. Jared, um, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Well, let's do it again. I look forward to it. Mm-hmm.